Downtown Louisville is getting better, but it still has a long way to go. Up next on the Access Louisville podcast, we'll talk about a plan to bring people and business back to this important area of the city. Thanks for joining us. My name is David Mann, and joining me today is Shay Van Hoy. Hey, everybody. Rebecca Flyshaker with Louisville Forward. Good morning. And Mariah Gratz with Wayland Ventures. Good morning. Access Louisville is a weekly podcast from Louisville Business First. Each week, we bring you the latest news, mixed with plenty of sharp opinions on what's going on here in Louisville, Kentucky. This week, we're going to talk about a report that just recently came out from the Downtown Revitalization Team. Earlier this month, the team outlined this plan to bring people and business back to Louisville. So that's why I've had Mariah and uh, and Rebecca join us. They were both on the team and kind of had a, an inside view of... Um, uh, how everything works. So, Mariah, I'm going to start with you. I mean, Rebecca, you're obviously you work for the city, uh, so it, it makes sense that you would be working with this team. Uh, but Mariah, you uh, obviously have your head of a commercial real estate uh, development company here. Why did you put your time to this? What made it important for you? Uh, well, first, I was asked, so that was that was yeah. a good thing. Yeah. Um, and also, I be- I believe that it's important. I mean both from a personal family perspective and from a business perspective, downtown is, is critical to, to Louisville and to who we are and what we do. And so anything I can do to, to help move us forward after the challenging year we had last year, mm-hmm. um, I felt that was time well spent. Yeah. And uh, just give us an idea, uh, Waylon, some of the things that you guys own downtown. Uh, I know, uh, you know a lot of different types of, uh, of uh, structures, correct? Yes. So we, um, you know, we joke that we were, we've been developing downtown since before it was cool. Uh, Glassworks <laughs> came online in the early 2000s and was really the first uh, multifamily building with multifamily apartments in it that had been developed downtown in about 20 years. Uh, and then we followed that up with the Henry Clay, uh, with Hero Lofts, uh, the Hilton Garden Inn at the corner of Fourth and Chestnut. Uh, we've also done a lot of work in the Nulu area. Mm-hmm. So we have a pretty wide range of uh, projects, uh, different types of projects, new construction, historic. and uh, But the common theme is they've pretty much all been urban mm-hmm. uh, and focused on revitalizing the urban areas. Yeah. And uh, so I guess what was the committee like? And uh, Rebecca, I'll, I'll start with you on this. I guess you guys were trying to get the city was trying to get a lot of different voices from different backgrounds, different industries, that sort of thing. So uh, what uh, tell me what the uh, kind of the meetings felt like. Sure. Well, when uh, the mayor asked us to kick this off, uh, we, we knew we needed to get stakeholders um, and that's residents employees, employers, um, retailers, restaurateurs, uh, tourism folks, but we also wanted to get folks who don't um, live or work downtown necessarily, who might come downtown for entertainment options, um, mm-hmm. but but who represent um, the suburbs. Mm-hmm. So we had several suburban mayors on the team, and I think the different perspectives really offered a much fuller discussion about what the perceptions are of downtown, um, the good things and the barriers so that we could talk about and address um, the whole gamut in this action plan. 
Yeah. And for listeners, uh, if, if you're maybe not familiar with the struggles that downtown's had, obviously COVID-19 took a lot of people out of the downtown area. A lot of office workers didn't come to work for the, the last year. Uh, some are starting to trickle back now. And then the protest uh, for racial justice. Uh, also, that, you know, you know, a lot, most of that was peaceful protesting, but th- there was a few incidents and that scared a lot of people off and, uh, and, and, you know, triggered a lot of uh, kind of uh, vitriol, I guess, uh, among uh, some people. So that's kind of the struggle that's been facing. But I guess uh, with this action plan, um, what are a few like, favorite things to come out of this, I guess. Uh, Mariah, I'll go to you on this. Is there something that, that came out of the action plan that, that you really love that, that you got included in there? You know, I think at a, at a general broad level, I just really love that it's multifaceted and broad reaching. You know, we really thought about the different users of downtown and how to formulate different things for those users to really try to bring a large amount of people back to the downtown area. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, the, you know, there's no silver bullet to creating a dynamic and welcoming downtown. So one mega project isn't going to get it done. So I really like that it's a it's broad reaching. It's got a lot of different aspects to it. And they're all important. Um, I personally was on the event working committee, uh, working with that team. And we sent out a uh, we actually did a request for proposals. Almost I went out to ask people, you know, what kind of events should we be doing downtown? And we got a lot of great ideas that were very unique and very Mm -hmm. creative. And so I'm excited to see some of those come to fruition just because they'll be different. And they're they're things that can really put, I think, Louisville on the map, even at a regional level. So what's what's a favorite one that maybe came out for you? Something that you you really want to see happen? Are you asking me? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, just (laughs) really drilling in on that one. Uh, (laughs) Um. Ah, I don't know that I can pick just one. Yeah. Rebecca, um, you got, you get, did you have one that really, uh, that really jumped out at you? Some, I, I love, I, I'll start. Uh, I love the, um, and, and this was, uh, addressed elsewhere too, but the, uh, um, resurfaced the resurfacing of resurfaced that that kind of open air um sorry listeners probably just heard my phone ding there uh that kind of open air uh you know not marketplace but a place where people can gather outside and kind of use that um i know that i'm not sure if that was included in in the exact plan but i've seen downtown louisville partnership talking about uh, that potentially coming back uh but rebecca any uh any things that's jumping out to you is something you just really want to see get done well, because I work for the city and because I hate to choose favorites, I mean, really the, and it's like Mariah said, no silver bullet. It takes so many things to come together at once, but where I'm excited that I think is low hanging fruit and that the city um, from where I sit in my seat uh, can do right now is a lot of the foundational cleaning up, greening up, just pride in the streetscape and the landscaping that needs to be done. Because I think once people start to see that, then other things will start to naturally occur, but it is kind of a reminder. This is a business district. This is an entertainment district. This is a community district. It's a center. Um, and everything kind of layers on top of um, another thing. So um, I, I want us to be looking good, um, you know, filling in the tree wells, um, cleaning up sidewalk stuff. I mean, there's, yeah. you know, um, trash cans that need to be repainted and very basic stuff, but foundational. Yeah. 
It does make a difference. Uh, Shay and I have talked on the show about uh, security. Is there anything in the plan that addresses more security downtown or more downtown ambassadors? I've heard people say we need more of those guys on the street that are that are just, you know, maybe not police officers, but people that are uh, downstairs, downtown, you know, cleaning up and, and can help you if you're you're lost or something. They can point you in the right direction, just overall help people. So has there been any uh, what, what's kind of the focus on on security within this plan? And I'll go to Rebecca on this one too. There, there is a line item for five additional ambassadors and the ambassadors that are um, by block by block through LDMD, Louisville Downtown Management District are cross-trained for security and hospitality, which is the welcoming direction giving and clean. And I do think we are gonna be focusing on some security um, where we have um, in, what do you call it? In um, officers in uniform, Sorry, mm-hmm. um, where people can just be comforted by the presence of more people on the street um, that they can either ask for assistance, uh, whether it's safety issue or directions um, so that they feel comfortable in downtown. Yeah. Uh, I think Shay- well, yeah, so I think that's one thing that, you know, we've kind of heard here or just, you know, talking to people is in, in the, you know, in the past, um, people have not really, it's, you know, it's sort of interesting, you know, during the protests, people felt that like in that core that there wasn't enough of a police presence. Of course, then that can be offset by, you know, the calls that, you know, police obviously helped escalate some of these instances where there are protests. But I just think on a given day when there aren't protests or anything, um, I think Rebecca is right that people, if you go to any city and, you know, you don't want it to feel like a police state, but like, Every couple of blocks, if you see a um, uniformed officer or officer on a horse or officer on a Segway, it kind of just gives you, you know, a peace of mind that if something does happen, that you're going to be safe. And so I just think that's probably a, a really important component. And then w- one thing, this is kind of going back to the green, the green, I, I wrote about this somewhat recently is, um, <clears throat> you know, obviously there's not a lot of tree canopy downtown. It's just naturally how it is over the years. But one thing I would like to see longer term is, I also feel that downtown doesn't really have a gathering space that's green. So we have Waterfront Park, but it's disconnected from downtown and we it's can go down the grab a hole of, of 8664 and all that stuff. And Waterfront Park's amazing. And I love that phase four is part of it, um, of, of the plan. But, you know, it is kind of, if we're, I'm, we're, I'm sitting here at Meidinger at 4th and Muhammad Ali to walk to Waterfront Park is not a short walk. And so what I would love to see is kind of a central park on a smaller scale type situation in downtown. And we've certainly got the 37,000 you know, surface parking lots that we could, we could look at to try to do. So that, that was kind of has, has been in my head for a long time as someone who works yeah. downtown. I think that, that kind of dovetails with the resurface thing too. You know, yeah. I, I think I would be fine with it if it was on a blacktop parking lot, but, uh, but also a park type setting, uh, you know, would enhance that as well. Uh, in terms of security, there seems to be two groups. There's the group who has legitimate concerns that, there, that there's not enough security presence around here. And then there's a group of kind of hateful people who think that this is a war zone. And I don't want to sound like I'm in that latter group. You know, uh, I, I don't I come downtown usually a couple times a week. I'm you know, we, we're kind of still transitioning from work from home but I always record the podcast here. And, um, and then I usually come down another day as well, just cause I, I get bored with work from home. But, um, but I, I do think that, that 
you got to be cautious not to just dismiss every concern about security. And I'm not talking about you two specifically. I'm talking about, you know, people in general, because there are security concerns here. Um, but, uh, you know, the, there are, there's that other group that kind of wants to make Louisville sound like, like it's, you know, uh, Fallujah 2008. And it's not, you know, I mean, there's, there's, there's problems, but they're, they're definitely solvable problems. So, um, Let's see here. I'm going to uh, switch gears uh, a little bit. Mariah, you, last time I talked to you was for this uh, downtown uh, package that I wrote. And uh, and we talked about uh, cities that kind of do downtown right. Uh, give us some examples. I mean, you guys uh, work in other markets. So is there a city that you think Louisville should really uh, strive to be in terms of, uh, you know, how it, how it looks at downtown in the future? So I, I think... There are there are cities that do downtown very well. Um, you know, I personally have lived in downtown London. I've lived in downtown Boston, uh, both fantastic cities. And then you look at you know regionally, you look at what Cincinnati's doing and Nashville's doing and Indianapolis is doing. But I think at the heart of it, what makes all of those downtowns great is that they are unique to those cities. They have you know some some threads that move through them. I think downtown has to have a strong jobs market. Downtown has to have a strong residential. We've got to have some strong tourism, which we're definitely building in a very unique way in Louisville with the bourbon, um, bourbonism. And uh, I think we've also got to have vibrant, you know, retail um, and restaurants in order mm -hmm. to support all of that. So I think all of those are the common threads that go through great downtowns, but I think at the heart of it, Louisville, Louisville can't be and shouldn't be Nashville. We shouldn't be Austin. We shouldn't be another city. We need to figure out who we want to be. Um, one thing that other states and cities have done, mostly at the state level, have done to in order to um, incentivize development downtown and some of those uses that are more challenging to do in an urban area um, is that we, you know, other cities and other states have access to incentives through tax structures and other things that we don't have access to in, in Kentucky and in Louisville. And that really puts us at a disadvantage, especially when you look at, you know, what Ohio is doing and even what Tennessee mm -hmm. is doing. So, um, you know, I think we need to figure out how Louisville becomes the great downtown that Louisville should be. And then if we could make some changes at the state level through, you know, how tax structures and incentive structures are done, it would really give us a leg up in competing against some of our regional uh, competitor cities. Yeah. That's a great uh, I'm right there with you on lo local option income tax. It's insane. It's just, sales tax, local option sales tax. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's sales just, tax. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, it just blows my mind that like, we can't like we Louisville can't just have the option for the voters to decide to have a tax. And it's just, it's crazy. Yeah. But well, there's yeah. that. And also in Ohio, um, cities have the ability to define uh, CRAs where they can actually provide property tax abatements in those areas. So that's how Cincinnati really promoted a lot of their downtown urban, urban living 20 plus years ago is, you know, if you live in one of those new units downtown, you get a 15 year tax abatement. Um, and that's a that's a huge help in in offsetting the, the costs of urban development versus suburban development. Right. 
And um, yeah, I always hate it when someone says, oh, we're going to have to get the state legislature to change something because then I'm like, oh, great. So that's never happening. Uh, <laughs> I do get worried about it. But uh, yeah, I've heard a lot of people make comparisons to Cincinnati, uh, which obviously um, had racial justice issues. Uh, I'm sure it still does today. But 20 years ago, uh, they faced the same kind of uh, uh, reckoning on uh, police that uh, Louisville's facing right now. Um, so, and, and, and I can look at Cincinnati and say it's, it's a pretty vibrant downtown area. Uh, now it wasn't 10 years ago, <laughs> I don't think, but, uh, but it does seem like it's come a long way since then, especially with the bank's development that they've got down there and everything. So, um, let's see here. I've totally gone off script and lost my place. So let me see if I can, uh, uh, Mark a good conversation. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, uh, See if I can find my way back here. Um, there's, uh, I think we kind of covered things that are that are missing downtown. I think we all kind of weighed in on that. But uh, I'll go to you with this question, uh, Rebecca. But you know, how much do you think responsibility is in the hands of local government uh, versus business versus you know individuals here? So yeah, that kind of goes back to what I was talking about, about the foundational um, improvements that should be made. I definitely think city, city government and public funds are used either to close a gap or to start something in order to show uh, an example. And I do think that this is kind of a reset for downtown stakeholders and also the community at large. Um, the city only has one downtown. And actually it's the economic engine of just of the city and the city's the economic engine of the region. So it is super important to not just even Louisville. And I think that where we want to, I really love the way Mariah said, uh, figure out who we are and who, what our downtown should be like. I think a lot of um, the, the power of suggestion is strong. And I think that as much as we can get out there to do messaging and communications about pride in downtown, which is um, not only working downtown if you're an employee, that there's a lot to do here. Um, because I say that you can't bump into somebody on your way to lunch or a meeting when you're working in your living room. Um, those kind of creative collisions are, are, you know, natural and they happen organically downtown. Yeah. But also for um, the businesses and property owners to take pride in downtown and what their space looks like. And um, it's almost like a domino effect. When someone doesn't take care of their building, the next door neighbor doesn't feel like they need to take care of their building. Mm -hmm. Conversely, if someone's looking really good and you're next door, you're going to want to look good too. And I, I think that that's kind of the reset where the city should and can play and be um, a big, big part of that. Yeah. Uh, and Mariah, if you want to weigh in kind of the same question, what role do you think business has to play on this? Is it, it kind of the same thing, just keeping, uh, keeping the property looking good and, and kind of encouraging that or. Yeah, I think business has a, has a big uh, role to play in this. Um, you know, there are a lot of businesses that are invested in downtown. They need to stay invested in downtown. Um, they also need to bring their voice to the table. So, you know, we can't just look at Metro government and say, well, we need this, that, or the other. We have a downtown partnership. We have a business improvement district. We have tools in our toolbox. And, you know, a lot of the work we do, um, it, it all comes down to public-private partnerships. There are things that the government can do and the government can do very well. And then there are things that the private side does much better because we are a different structure. 
And so figuring out how those public-private partnerships come together and mm-hmm. how we leverage the strengths of both sides. And then, you know, now, now you're hearing about P4s, you add in the philanthropy uh, angle and, you know, they do things well that the other two of us can't. And I think one of the conversations we really need to have in Louisville is how, how do we bring those three pieces together to leverage the strengths of each one and to make sure the private side's not doing something that really should be on the public side or vice versa. Uh, yeah. And uh, one thing that I think, um, and I'm going off script here again, uh, <laughs> could, could help downtown and maybe be a place for those P, P3 or P4 partnerships. Uh, for those uh, not knowing, it's uh, public, private, and philanthropy now uh, partnerships. So that's, that's what P3 and P4 are. Um, but uh, uh, one thing I, we've kind of looked at here is the lack of residence downtown. You don't have a lot of people living here. Uh, a lot of people are in and out, uh, myself included. You know, I, uh, I, I come in and I, and I love being here, but I don't live here. Um, so uh, at the end of the day, I'm, I'm headed back to my neighborhood. But uh, do we see like, I think in the post-COVID era, there's all this talk about fewer people working uh, in in tall downtown buildings. And do we kind of see that conversion more to residential? This is something I keep bringing up on this show because I like the idea of it so much because I know we have a housing shortage in Louisville and we have these uh, buildings that are not entirely full. I won't say empty, but uh, there's definitely a lot of vacancy in these buildings. So is that something like that we kind of see happening? And uh, Ryan, I'll go to you on this one since you're the property expert. Do you see that? Or I know you guys are more focused on historic uh, properties, but. Um, There are structural challenges with um, converting office towers to residential, both from a a code and a building, you know, envelope, kind of how the buildings were set up perspective, and also mm-hmm. from a financing perspective. So a lot of those towers are owned by institutional investors. They have large institutional debt on them, and they have very specific things about what they can and can't do within those structures. Um, also, you know, just as there are people that don't want to work in the office towers, I think there's still place for office towers, but it's shifting. There's also, they don't necessarily make the best residential spaces as well. Not everybody wants to live on the 30th story of a building. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I think the opportunity from a residential perspective downtown is really more of the mid-rise, both historic conversions and new construction where we have the the land uh, in order to bring more residential units online. And there's also a misnomer downtown. We are we are several thousand residential units short of most of our competitive cities when you look at you know, people living downtown. But there's also a misnomer that all of the rents are at the high end. It is true that a lot of the product that's come online in the last few years, Edge on Forth, the Omni, were definitely at the high rent range. They actually pushed the highest rents in the city up. Um, but we have a lot of stuff that's more in that you know, mid-range probably even qualifies as workforce, 80% AMI units as well. Um, They're just scattered through mixed-use buildings. uh, So you don't don't necessarily notice them as much because they've got retail on the first floor and then maybe some office floors and then you've got the the residential units above. Um, So I, I do think we need more residential units. I think we need more residential units that are in that, you know, 80 to 120% AMI range. Um, mm-hmm. 
those are challenging to do just based on uh, land value and, and amassing the, the right amount of land in order to do them. But I think it's important and I think it's something we need to, again, figure out as a city and as a, you know, P3 or P4, can you throw in some artistic um, space? I think that is what they're looking for, looking at the Starks building, which could be a very interesting use for that building. So, yeah. Um, and also those, Go sorry, ahead. those yeah. mid-rise, just like Mariah said, those mid-rise buildings, and we do, we're lucky, we have a lot of historic structures too. Um, back in the 60s and 70s, when other cities were tearing down buildings, we did not. Um, so there, we still have, you know, some original bones, which I think is cool, but having those mixed use in the, that tight space makes for a lot more vitality. And I think that's going to be better for street level activity and the amount of activity we can we can handle in downtown. Yeah. And uh, it seems like there's a little of that going on. I mean, you mentioned the Starks building that's uh, uh, being redeveloped by the Underhills. Uh, I think they have some other partners as well. That's going to uh, be like kind of an artist um, area uh, with residential uh, housing. And then um, the art space building uh, recently changed hands and Kentucky Home Life tower i think it's called uh yeah fifth and jefferson also just recently changed hands so i I think that there's uh there seems to be the start of that conversion i hope it kind of takes root um i think think the and i'm pretty sure the starks like rents started in the eight there was proposed to start in the 800 a month range so yeah and that could be really attractive to you know someone who's single in 25 or you know um and and i think we talked to you about you know the need for families you know to live downtown too so yeah yeah fam- yeah there's not a lot of families here i looked up the um i can't remember if it was the median age or uh or the number of children per household and it's extremely low downtown uh so most of the people that live downtown are uh a lot of uh, uh empty nesters and then a lot of young professionals and then and then if you go more kind of out to the suburbs and stuff that's where a lot of the families are um you know, I wonder, is there enough local ownership of uh, property downtown? Is there, does there need to be uh, local ownership of property or is, the, is it fine to have out-of-town investors uh, own, own buildings down here? Um, Mariah, I'll go to you on that one again. It's healthy to have both. You need a yeah. mixture. Um, you need local people putting their capital and their hearts into the buildings, but you also need regional and national capital and institutions to come in. Um, for some of the larger projects. It's just that you're, that's what you're going to see no matter what downtown you're in. Yeah. And then Rebecca, uh, I'll kind of finish things up here. Um, you know, there was some, to fund a lot of the uh, to the work that's proposed in this uh, plan. It's, it's going to be relying on American Rescue Plan money as well as the, the city's next budget. So I guess, uh, you know, is that something that we're going to have to kind of hold our breath on and, and wait to see what can get funded and what can't? Uh, we're working on that right now. So we do know what's recommended in the um, next fiscal year 22 budget for the city. Um, but we also have put a lot of these ideas into the suggested uh, projects for the American Rescue Plan stimulus funds. And that's what we're going through right now, working with council on um, some of that. We should be hearing about um, a plan for some of this money just to get up, out on the street quickly. And then um, a little bit more of a uh, intentional conversation with public about um, the bigger pot of American Rescue Plan funds. Yeah. And I've heard people call for that. Uh, you know, I talked to the 
I guess the ownership group of Edge on Fourth, and they were saying, I hope the city uses it some of that money to uh, get uh, some redevelopment going downtown. It sounds like you guys are. Yes, so. that is definitely part of the plan. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, I'm going to wrap up the discussion there. I promised everyone I would keep this at about 45 minutes and I think we're about there. So um, before we go, uh, just want just want to make a note that this is the 100th episode of the Access Global podcast. We've been doing this for two years. Uh, we didn't have much of a celebration for it, but I did figure I'd mention it. Uh, also, before we go, uh, we will, we'll kind of go around the room and you guys can share where people can find you or your companies on social media if you're on social media. Um, Shay, I'm going to start with you on this one. Yeah, I'm mainly active most on Twitter, and it's just my name, at Shay Van Hoy. Um, also post a lot of our business-first content on my LinkedIn page. All right. And then Rebecca, uh, we, we, we've been over this before. Rebecca's a returning guest, if people can remember. Um, it's uh, Louisville. What's Louisville Forward's uh, social media handles? Can you, can you remember? Yeah. All- we're on um, Twitter as Lou Forward. We're on Instagram as Louisville Forward. And we're on LinkedIn, I think, as Louisville Forward as well. Yes, we are. Um, and uh, several of our staff share and retweet all of those things. So you can find it in many places. Yeah. And uh, I, I promised you last time you were on, I would follow. And I followed you guys on Instagram. And uh I, I, I'm definitely a big Louisville fan. You can see it in my Instagram feed. I follow all downtown partnership, the Louisville forward, all, all the different uh, uh, organizations that work, working to make downtown uh, a good place to be. Uh, Mariah, uh, are you on uh, social media or is Whalen Ventures on social media that you want to share? Whalen Ventures is on social media. We're, I think, at Whalen Ventures on Instagram. You can find us on LinkedIn. We're also on Facebook. Um, I personally am terrible at social media. <laughs> My marketing people are trying to work with me on that, but yeah. you can find me at Mariah Gratz on Instagram all right, and perfect. on LinkedIn. <laughs> all right. Uh, all right. Well, uh, and you can find me on, uh, on, I'm mostly on Twitter and Instagram at dman3001. If you like this show, you can find it on all the popular podcast services, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Radio Public, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, Thank you very much, Mariah, Rebecca, and Shay. And thank you guys for listening to us at home. And we'll see you next time.